job. Good job. Good job, guys. You sound amazing. Hey, here's our Ikea. <laughs> Some assembly required. Just to go with the Ikea theme from last week. The O. <laughs> How do you pronounce that? I don't know. It's not a real word. Uh, we're going to continue this series. This is part two. It's called Some Assembly Required. And if this is your first time, you missed last week, um, we we looked at some things that were designed by God. Well, here's what I said. Made in heaven, but assembled in the church. Things that God, in his divine creative knowledge and wisdom, he made these things, but then he gave them to us to actually like put together, to assemble, if you will. And so last week we looked at community. And how God made the idea of community around family. That's really all it is. It shouldn't be something totally different than family. But then he gave it to the church to actually put into practice. And so we looked at some practicals around that. So this is going to be a little bit of a shift. That was all like very community-based and like you need people in your life. And now, this week, we're going to look at a much more personal side of this thing. We're going to look at Uh, communion. Now, you might be like, well, I take communion every week. It's the bread and the juice, so I'm good at that. We're going to, I'm using that word to describe something else. I'm not talking about the bread and the juice. I'm not talking about the time. I'm not talking about the ritual. Well, that's good. I'm talking about, and this is what communion that time should be. It should be where we focus on on an intimacy with God. We focus on a direct connection. We commune with him. I think I've shared the um, Revelation scripture where Jesus is like, I stand at the door, I'm knocking, let me in. It's the idea of like, if, if, there's a, if there's just this communion, like is Jesus invited? Or does Jesus have to wait in line outside the door for that stuff? And so that's what we're going to talk about communion. Our, you could say our personal relationship with God uh, Or you could just talk about a relationship, an intimate relationship with God and Jesus. And that's where I want us to focus. The idea of relationship. We're going to talk about stuff that we do, but that is not communion. That just helps us commune. That helps us cultivate a relationship with God. So I really want you... All, this whole thing, you're going to have to really go back and think about this in terms of a human relationship. Like if you're married, I want you to think about your relationship with your spouse, relationship with children, relationship with your best friend, relationship with your parent. Like whatever a really good, close relationship you have is, I want you to think about that. How do you cultivate that relationship? And I want us to think in those terms. So these two things that we're going to talk about is communication and understanding. Uh, when you have a relationship... It takes communication. Marrieds, they, they can attest to this. When, when my communication with Jen is bad, I feel the stress and the strain in our marriage. And when, I, when we're there, I'm like, okay, what do we have to do to get back to a, a place of, like, you know, intimacy is, we've got to talk it out. We've got to deal with communication again. But it can't just be talking and listening but it also has to be this idea of like, I want, I'm seeking to understand who you are. I want to 
I want to know, I want to experience you as a person, and I want to make you real in my life. And if you have those, relationships can grow. If you don't have those, relationships can die. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I've got three things uh, about our relationship with God. And now, I'm just warning you, they are simple. They are so simple, you might be like, really? Really? Uh, Yes. They're so simple that sometimes they're the easiest thing to get wrong or to neglect. And um, so the first two are all about our communication with God. Point number one. Prayer. We are, I'm going to look at prayer. If we don't, if we don't, uh, oh, that happened. If we don't understand prayer, my fear is that we are going to neglect one of the most vital parts of our relationship with God. There have been many studies uh, by very ambitious researchers who try to like demonstrate the power of prayer, uh, even like looking it up, it was like almost overwhelming. They'll, you'll see studies, and this is good. This is published. This is like peer-reviewed stuff. Like prayer, uh, prayer regularly. People who practice regular prayer have lower rates of anxiety, depression. They feel feel more at peace. They generally have a better sense of well-being. the The funny thing is. I, re- I found an article in like the, uh, the, med- the, medicine, the Journal of Medicine of Australia where someone was like, is that real? And so the, the, uh, the, the research was prayer as medicine, what we've learned so far. And the, this researcher, eventually she, they got to the conclusion like, yeah, there's statistically significant things, but guys, doctors should not prescribe prayer to people and prayer should not be a replacement for your like cholesterol pills. Like, take your medicine... You can pray also, but please take your medicine. That's what, that's what their conclusion was. But the reason why I bring that up is because I think this points at something in our, in our society, especially our religious world, where you'll, like, I believe in the power of prayer, and yet we can kind of turn prayer into something that maybe God didn't intend it to be. What, what do I mean by that? Prayer is, in my in my mind, prayer is simply just a, a, a beautiful form of communication with God. It is not a transaction. It is not a magic spell. And it is not a ritual. And we, we've, we've been teaching the boys how to pray since they were like born. We pray like pretty much every night all together. And I can't count how many times we had to be like, we're just talking to God, guys. Because <laughs> like, they can kind of fall into this like rote pattern of praying. Like, just, we're just talking to God. If you think prayer is a transaction, what you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to trade two things of value. Like, I want healing, or I want a promotion, or I want something, and so I'm going to give God my time and my, my humility and bow at Him, and, and hopefully we can conduct a transaction that way. If you think that prayer is like a magic spell, usually what you'll find is, man, I just, I just need to pray just the right way. I need to say the right words with the right heart in the right order, and then I, I may get my desired result. If you treat prayer like a ritual, you kind of have this idea of like, 
oh, well, I just need to blindly obey, even if I don't want to do it, just put in the hours, like log the hours. And if I pray, if I do it, and I'll show God that I'm, that I'm, I'm like, obedient enough, then I'll get what I want. And all of those push the idea of, we're just talking to God. Push him away. We, it doesn't, none of those things treat God like, like a friend that you want to talk to. But what if prayer could just be us talking to God? I love that Jesus demonstrated the heart for prayer. We see this over and over. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. Now, did Jesus have a public ministry? Yes. Did he have his group? Yes. He had his guys. He had his crowds. Yes. But he also withdrew, left the crowds, and had some solitary time with God. And so like last week, this is what I was saying, last week we talked about community. I don't know what that was for. Community. But you also need this. You need that, but you also need this. You need this close, intimate relationship with God. Coming to church and having great friends, I want that for all of us. Uh, But that is not a substitute for communion in your heart. It can't replace the need to withdraw and connect your heart to God. And so, this isn't a whole sermon on prayer. This is just the first point. (laughs) But I want us to think about, like, what can I do? What can I do? If we're talking about the, the, the sum assembly required is the stuff that we can do to build, to put together the thing that God made. God made this intimate relationship. But what can I do to cultivate that? One thing I would say when it comes to prayer, you just got to start praying. It's really not that deep. Just start praying. I don't even care what you say. Just in your heart, there's a difference between like daydreaming and turning your heart towards the face of God and actually like that starting that communication. And so just do that. Think like like say hi, God. <laughs> And start talking to him. Do not worry about saying anything the right way. That is actually an, uh, a barrier to prayer. And it could lead you down that, that path of ritual or uh, magic spell. I would encourage you to talk to God like you would talk to anyone who was right there with you. What would you say to them? Well, then say that. But you're talking to the creator of the universe. And then I would say, as you get in the habit of just talking to God, it's really important, we're going to talk about this in my third point, when we talk about worship, you have to start folding in things about Him. Like, you have to start trying to train your mind to understand and stand in awe of who He is. And so, add in what you know about God and talk to Him. Now, you might be wrong. Like, there might be times where you see an injustice in the world and you're like, I'm mad at God. That's fine. He can take that. Talk to him about it. But there also might be times where you're like, man, the world is beautiful. Tell him that. Might be times where you're like, man, I'm just so happy that things have fallen into place for me like right now. Tell him that. 
Like whatever it is, start folding in what you know about God. And that is so important. If we can't, if we can't pray, we, we, I can almost guarantee we cannot have communion. We cannot, not, not, the rich, not the thing, bread and the juice. I'm saying you can't actually have this intimate relationship with God. And it's something we all need to develop and work on and get better at. Amen? Amen. Point number two. Scripture. You might be like, wait a second. Are his points pray and read your Bible? (laughs) Sorry, guys. My points are pray and read your Bible. (laughs) Jesus read his Bible. Go through, just read through the Gospels. Someone tallied this up and it was hilarious. There are are a thousand, 1,800 verses that are the words of Jesus in in all four books. Um, About 10% of them, about 180 of them, are like direct quotes or allusions to the Old Testament. Where Jesus is referencing the Old Testament. Some people would even go so far as to say it's way more than that. You just have to do a lot more digging. Jesus is, some would say Jesus is always referencing the Old Testament. Uh, but but we, the number is 180 quotes of the Old Testament. Do I, and so if I'm, if I'm talking about the Bible, are we reading our Bible? Here's a very important question I think we all need to wrestle with, young people especially. Do I believe that God has decided that one of the ways he communicates with us is through this ancient text? Do I believe that? Because here's my warning. You can spend your whole life in church not believing that. And I want us to wrestle with that in our hearts and get to the point where we actually appreciate that. That God has, in his divine wisdom... He could communicate to us through any way, any way he wanted. Do I believe that this ancient text compiled over many years by many different people is, is inspired by the Holy Spirit and has wisdom to help me get to know him better? If the answer is no, it's okay. I would, I would encourage you to just be honest with someone and be like, I struggle to even believe that. If the answer is yes, hopefully at some point in our lives we can get to that point where the answer is yes. Like, I trust the scriptures. I trust the Bible. Then we need to appreciate that, and then we need to go to the text. If the answer is no, here's what, here's what I think we'll find. We'll find that, even in, a, even in a small church, we'll find that now we're just always going to end up, like, debating our own personal meaning. Or, like our own revelations, or God told me, dot, dot, dot. And I I do believe we need a standard that's external to us. Like we need something that is outside of my daily experience, my culture, my walk. I need something that I can look to and say, that's the standard. And I love this. Here's an Old Testament scripture. What's funny is, this is a prayer. I don't have time to get into this. This is awesome, guys. This is the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But here's what's awesome about this. 
it's a prayer. This is widely accepted as a Jewish prayer. Except, if, if you think about it, it's a prayer to us. Like, it's, we're talking to each other about God, which is so interesting to me. And it's about, it goes on to talk about their relationship with the text, the word. Let's read it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And this is a beautiful picture of a community that takes their relationship with the scriptures very seriously. If you have any Jewish friends and you go to their house and you see the mezuzah on the, on the door frame, it's literally like a little thing they nail to the door frame with, with a little Torah portion in it. And uh, we, we don't have to do that, but I love that they take it so seriously. But my question is, do we do this with the Bible? Do we talk about it on the road? Do we talk about it at home? Do we impress it on our children? Do we think about it when we're walking, when we're lying down, when we're getting up? Do we, do, are these, are these, this wisdom in the Bible, is it on our hearts? I love this book, Multiply by Francis Chan. At the end, uh, he has this whole thing about like, okay, now what? You, you need to uh, help people cultivate a relationship with the Bible. So let me just read it for you. Reading the Bible is simple, but if you discipline yourself to make it a regular part of your life, it will transform you in more ways than you can imagine. Obviously, you will want to read as much of the Bible as you can, but don't let your ambition become a roadblock. Some people have the time and ability to read larger sections of Scripture than others. Start with an attainable goal. And if you find that you are able to read more than you plan, that's great. All of the Bible is important, but it's not about how much you can read in a single sitting. It's about allowing God to speak to you through His Word and responding in obedience and faith. With each section of Scripture you read, ask yourself two questions. What is God saying in this passage? And how am I going to respond? It's beautiful. So I want us, if we want to have communion, I would say prayer is more important, but maybe that's controversial, I don't know. But I would say prayer is an essential component to communion, but I would say long term, we need to develop an intimate relationship through the scriptures. Why is that? Here's my question. What can I do to draw closer to God through Scripture? I would say when we read the Bible, it's very easy to default to this like manual for life. Like instruction book for life. Have you ever heard that? I don't like that because it's, it's still like, it's still almost like transactional, like What can I get out of it to help me be a better person? Which is good, but what we should be doing is going to the scriptures to find the nature and the character of who God is. 
So I read the scripture to, as part of my communion. Because I believe that God has revealed himself through scripture. Now, are there practicals? Heck yes, there's tons of practicals. And when I find something that I, that I see, okay, this is, this is a, a clearer way to live, I'm going to live in submission to that. I'm going to obey the scriptures. But I think, here's, here's some things to do. Just like prayer, just start. Just start reading the Bible. Tom said this when he preached this, like, I don't care where you start, just start. <laughs> Maybe a gospel, pick one, they're all good. There's lots of places you could start that would probably be confusing or you might, might bail, but if you want help, like where do I start reading the Bible? Start with a gospel. Maybe go to the Acts. There's a lot there. But just start reading the Bible. What you'll find is consistency is way more important than almost anything else when it comes to reading the Bible. If you said, hey, I'm going to spend all next weekend nonstop, no sleep, no food, no drink, just read the Bible straight all weekend. I'm going to hope to crank through the entire New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. I'll be like, yeah, you could probably do it. It won't help you a whole lot because you're just like, what I would rather you do is set aside time every day and read the Bible. That will help your life more. Caution. Uh, when you try to read the Bible, don't try to like, you're not Indiana Jones. Like don't try to like uncrack like some sort of like code. Don't try to find something new that no one's ever found before. You're just going to glean wisdom and learn about who God is. You're not trying to like just apply the, the manual for life. Because we're talking about communion. We're talking about, like, I want to bond my heart to God's. And I believe that prayer is how we talk to God. And I believe that scripture is how we listen to God. Now, is it the only way? Nope. I don't have to do all kinds of fine print with you guys. Scripture is one way, and I think it's a very important way. Can God talk to us through other ways? Definitely. But if we don't talk to our friend and listen to our friend, I guarantee you our relationship is not going to cultivate into a healthy thing. i got one more for you. One last thing. I want us to practice worship. And you're like, hey, that's what we just did, right? We sang like four songs. And I think if, if you've talked to me Maybe we've talked about this. Singing is great. But when I went out in the lobby and saw the, the fellowship going on, that was worship. When we were all watching the kids sing with Lori, that was worship. When we leave and make good choices based on our understanding of who God is, that's worship. Spouses, when you're humble, maybe you hold your tongue when you're having a crucial conversation with your wife or her husband, that's worship. So what do I mean by that? When you put your mind towards understanding who God is, like I want to know God, I'm thinking about God, and because of that understanding, because I'm, I'm seeing God clearly, I'm experiencing God, that produces something. I'm having a response. That response, if it is in line with God's will, 
is worship. Now, if you, you could, you could do something sinful, and I would say that's not worship. That's probably delusional. You could, but if you have some sort of response, it could be, like, I love Everett has, like, a deep passion for sunset, sunrises. <laughs> and we just on the way here, he's like, oh my gosh, look at that sunrise. He's like, I love that sunrise. Look at the texture and the colors. And I'm like, as a, as a former photographer, I'm, I'm like, I love that. And there's part of that, I don't even think he understands that part of that is worship. That he's seeing, he's seeing this creation and it's overflowing. Now, is singing part of worship? Heck yes. I love singing. You can sing with no worship though. Alex and I were talking about that just yesterday. It's possible because you're doing the thing, but it's not flowing. It's not a response to understanding who God is. And so that's why communion is so important. That's why cultivating our relationship with God is so important. So that you, what you want is to like, have a life of worship. Paul talks about this in Romans 12. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. I have a quote here. I loved this. This is, this is an old school quote from Donald Bloch. Worship is not simply an attitude that permeates all things Christians do, but an engagement with the sacred in acts of praise and thanksgiving. Service to our neighbor proceeds from worship, but worship is something much more than service. It involves an encounter with the holy. And this isn't a, a sermon just on how to worship, but I want us to see, like, God designed this relationship that he wants to have with people. And he gives us that relationship but there is some, some assembly required. There's some stuff that if we want to enjoy that relationship to the fullest, we have to do something. And what I'm putting forth is, we got to pray. we got to read our Bible. And we got to learn how to worship God. Here's another quote from a book I found called Discourses Upon the Existence and Attributes of God. He said, Worship is an act of the understanding, applying itself to the knowledge of the excellency of God and actual thoughts of his majesty. What do I mean by that? The idea that, like, if I just love singing, and I get in the car and I start singing, that in and of itself could actually be selfish on my behalf, on my part. Because I enjoy singing. I derive pleasure from singing. But if I put my mind to understanding who God is, if I have actual thoughts of his majesty, and that wells up in song, that's worship. But maybe you're like, I actually hate singing, bro. I'm not good at it. Well, what happens when you have actual thoughts of his majesty? 
Maybe when you put your mind to God, it comes out in spontaneous prayer. Or maybe it's just a a reverent awe of what he's made. Or maybe it's service. Maybe, Maybe when you think about God, you are drawn to your friends and you're like, I want to call them or send them a text or write them a card. That's worship. Because it's the, it's the experiencing God that leads to this whatever it is. And what I'm, what I'm trying to say is when we, when we put together communion the way that God really would love us to, you'll find worship everywhere. Here's a, here's a, um, a great verse from 1 Chronicles. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. My gosh, guys, that is worship. I want that to be the anthem of my life. And I want it to to bubble up in our church. I don't, I don't care if we're the best singers. Because we're not. <laughs> I don't care if we have the most eloquent prayers. I want us to be good at connecting our hearts to God and then be conduits where that overflows into our life. So here's my question. What are some ways I can make the experience of God more real in my life? And I want you to think about that. And all three of these questions, this is, this is part of it, they, they all have to do with like, what can I do? Which can come, sometimes seem like, you know, Christianity isn't about what I, all that I do. And I get that, it's not. But that's specifically why we're focusing on this for this, this month is that God made these amazing things in the heavenly realms and then entrusted them to us in the church to put together, to assemble, to to build. So what are some ways that I can make the experience of God more real in my life? I would say this is where you're going to have to flex your muscles of creativity. You're going to have to brainstorm and you're going to have to talk to other people about it. This This is what I'm trying to grow in in my worship. I would say be honest when you hit a roadblock. When you feel like, hey, you know what? I hear what he's saying. I read that scripture in 1 Chronicles and it's foreign to me. I'm just bad at that. It's too gooey, emotional. 
That's fine. That's where you're at. Just let's be honest with it and be open. Get, get some help. I have this picture again. I'm going to show this in every, in every lesson. <laughs> this is the guy that just gave up on building his Ikea furniture. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to sit on the floor and have my coffee and read my Bible. Like, I'm just going to live in an unfinished house. And it's possible to do this with community, like we talked about last week. My, my fear, my, like it's, it's actually very sad when I think about it, that you could do this with your communion. That you could give up on, on these things that, that grow your heart closer to God. You could get to a point and be like, uh, I think I have like a good understanding of prayer. I'm just going to like, this is going to be it from the rest of my life. Or... Like, I read the Bible, I don't need to read the Bible anymore. Or, uh, worship, eh, I don't get it, so, well, it's too gushy for me. And my, my fear is that if you, if you do that, if you give up on building the Ikea furniture of communion, that we're going to neglect to ever see, we're, we're, we're never going to see the thing that God really envisioned as a possibility. God has this beautiful picture for what the church could do if it got community right, if it got communion right. And I want us to work towards that and not neglect it. I got one last thing, and we're, we're wrapping it up here. Uh, Jesus warned his disciples twice that they got it wrong because they, they didn't get these things. The one, they come back, and they're like, we couldn't drive out that demon. And he said, this kind can only come out by prayer. Later, he's challenged by the Sadducees about, some, about something with the resurrection. And in Matthew 22, he, says, he, he doesn't even answer their question. He's like, you are in error. Because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And this is... This is why these three kind of bubble out. Like, man, I want us to get good at prayer. I want us to get good at understanding the scriptures. I want us to get good at experiencing the power of God in our lives. And my warning is, if you don't talk to God, if you don't listen to God, if you don't experience God, you'll never see the results that he has for you. You'll never achieve that intimate relationship. You'll never achieve communion. Amen? Amen. Guys, that is all I have for you. At this time, Jen is going to do our communion. Let us commune with Jen as she brings our hearts to the cross.